Hello and welcome to the Sports Smash Podcast. We just had our first week of AAF action and I was honored to be at the very first inaugural game for the best team in the AAF, the Arizona Hotshots. Anyways, let's get straight to our AAF news. Colin Kaepernick and Tim Tebow both offered spots on AAF rosters, but both declined. Now, Matt, how do you think they would fit in the AAF? Well, I think that Colin Kaepernick, I think the decision of him not playing in the AAF was a money decision based on what I've seen. But I think that if he would have taken the much less paid, the much lower paycheck, then I think that it would have been a wake-up call to NFL owners. He would have gone off in the AAF, and all the owners and all of the GMs would realize, you know, teams who don't have quarterbacks currently in the NFL, they'd realize, okay, this guy can maybe be a jumpstart to our team. As for Tim Tebow, I don't know. He's in a weird spot right now. He is scheduled to report to spring training with the New York Mets in, I think, a couple days at the big league camp. So if you were to join the AAF, I think that would just create more problems with this schedule, sort of a Kyler Murray situation, having to make a tough decision between baseball and football. Yeah, I really think both, I mean, maybe a little less on Tim Tebow, but I think Colin Kaepernick would really thrive in this league, putting all politics aside, because that's not what we're going to even be talking about on this show. But I think Kaepernick's a good quarterback, and when he had that playoff run with the 49ers, he really showed us what he can do as a player. So Colin Kaepernick would thrive. Um, Not sure about Tebow. He's been out of the game for a little too long. But anyways, let's get to our recap of week one. Matt, did you enjoy the first week of AAF football? Well, I sat down on my couch the Saturday after the Super Bowl, and I watched some football. I was very thrilled. I And what a way to start with that commander and fleet game and that sat and that strip sack to start the AAF. If that wasn't like the – I know there's no kickoff in the AAF, but if that didn't kick off the season right away with a bang, I don't know what would have. Yeah, they, they kept calling it the kickoff, and obviously we, we knew going into this uh, game that there wasn't going to be a kickoff, but they have the, the I forget, it's like the ball, the inaugural ball placement or something like that. But Yeah, something, someone, I think it was Heinz Ward or Paul Amalu, one of the, you know, head honchos of the league, they just walked up to the 25 and they placed the ball down. Everyone cheered, so, I mean... I'm not really missing the kickoff that much, but it's, it's different, you know, it's different, but I'm going to be honest with you, Matt, during the, the commanders game and the fleet game, I was crying. Just, I was that happy that football was not over. Did you, did you have any man tears, Matt? Man? Yeah, I was so happy. Not, not, I don't think I had as many man tears as you have, but I was definitely thrilled to see. I was thrilled to see that the Super Bowl had happened, and I don't have to wait the long and dead, treacherous off season until the NFL comes back. It's not only that; like, it's not like it's bad football. The games were really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and and let's actually get right into the first game: San Antonio versus San Diego. Uh, both teams showed flashes of greatness. Obviously, San Antonio had the better team with what I'm saying, an elite defense that Birmingham and San Antonio, they're going to be, uh, even though it's very early in the season, I, I think those defenses are really 
full of powerhouse and star players, but a, a low scoring game, San Diego. I'm sorry guys, but we talked about this last week. There aren't really any notable players on your team. And that's not to say you're, you're terrible, but you know, if you don't have guys that have really shook up the business before, I wouldn't really expect any greatness out of your team. So Matt, I want to bring this to you. Why do you think San Antonio ran away with this game? Well, I think San Antonio ran away with this game because, I mean, my prediction was that the fleet would upset. And that was because they are coached by Mike Martz. He was the architect of the very particular greatest show on turf, which was by far one of the best teams and best offenses in the history of the NFL. He also was the architect of the 2010 Bears offense, which was pretty much one of the only good seasons Jay Culler had with the Bears. So it proved that he's an offensive genius. And I thought that he would be able to take an offense with not many notable players and at least keep the fleet in the game. But he struggled all game long, including a QB substitution midway through the second half. And he just wasn't having it. So I don't know, things not looking good for the fleet. Yeah, and, and what's great about this uh, San Antonio team is their quarterback, Logan Woodside, he had a great performance. I think he threw uh, one or two picks, but he, he has a good O-line, uh, and his receivers, I'm specifically talking about uh, Mikhail McKay, 80 receiving yards. He was always open. He was making big plays, and he also had Alonzo Moore with 78 yards. He's got some some great receivers now. Again, it's it's early in the league. We just had our first week, so it's kind of tough to see where teams are. Could the fleet just have a bad secondary, or are these receivers just balling out? But a, a very positive offense. A lot of people were focusing on the San Antonio defense. I think they had a really good offense that a lot of people are overlooking right now. So, I mean, San Diego, they got to they gotta make some changes. They really need to adjust. Mike Martz. Where's that Super Bowl coach that uh, all these San Diego fans are looking for? So let's get to the next game, which is Birmingham versus Memphis. And oh my gosh, Matt, Bears legend, Mike Singletary. We knew he was a defensive-minded guy, and you know we wouldn't see that much offense from him, but Memphis was stopped dead in the tracks. Mike Singletary could not come up with any offensive momentum in this game. And I don't know if, again, it's early in the league, but I don't know if Memphis is really has a shot at making to the playoffs because what I saw from Mike Singletary was, was absolutely horrendous. This Memphis team was a, a dumpster fire. And Birmingham, let's give Birmingham credit too. They had a great D. I think more of what happened in that game was, a, was from terrible play calling by Mike Singletary, and that's coming from a Chicago Bears fan. Great defense by Birmingham, but I think they're a little overrated just because of that absolutely horrendous play calling. Matt, agree or disagree? Was this game Mike Singletary's fault, or did the Birmingham defense just ball out? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, Singletary, coming from the 85 Bears defense, he did what he did best, which is preventing offenses from scoring. But this time it was his own team. It's not supposed to work like that. I think that uh, it was disappointing. And it, it really didn't show what I thought Memphis could do. But you got to admit, 
that Birmingham quarterback Luis Perez, he went off 252 yards. And then also, don't forget about him quite yet, Trent Richardson. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to stop you right there, Matt. I'm going to stop you right there because I've seen so much talk about Trent Richardson. He, he got two touchdowns he made on, like, the one-yard line, but he had 23 attempts and an average of 2.5 yards. I'm just going to say that before you go on your little, you know, Trent Richardson parade. I, I've seen so many people talk about how great of a running back he was, but I – it, I just didn't see it. I don't think the stats can back it up. So, Matt, continue, man. I just had to get in there. Yeah, I respect that. I was just about to end that. You know, it was not really like a Trent Richardson praise fest. It was more like, hey, look, Trent Richardson did something. Um, but the guy who really stood out was former San Francisco wide receiver, Quentin Patton, went for 107 receiving yards. And he was sort of – he was on that Kaepernick team. And – I think he was a bit – he was not in the spotlight because he's playing behind receivers like Michael Crabtree. And he was a very good receiver, and he showed it in this game. So I think it wasn't really Memphis playing bad. It was more Birmingham, at least on the offensive end, Birmingham playing well. But I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. You know, Memphis – 99 passing yards, 103 rushing yards, 202 throughout the game. And with a QB like Christian Hackenberg, keep in mind the only reason why I think he's on the map is because he had the privilege at Penn State of handing the ball off to the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year in Saquon Barkley, which obviously makes the QB's job easier. But this time he doesn't have that luxury, and it showed Maybe he's not the best man for this job for the Memphis Express. Yeah, and, and Louis Perez, man, he's already getting offers from the NFL. If I were a, a coach on an NFL team, I you know, I'd be hitting him up, but I wouldn't pull the trigger right away. Again, I keep I keep saying this over and over again. It's really hard to to see where these players stand because we've only had one week of football. Who knows? Memphis could be the best team in the league. Memphis could beat the New England Patriots, uh, but we, obviously not. But we have no idea what these teams are capable of. We have a little, you know, snippet, but I don't, I don't, if I were a coach, I wouldn't be calling Perez up just yet. But I like that because that's exactly what this, the, the point of the league is to give players experience and kind of be a feeder league for the NFL. Next game, and we talked about this, Aaron Murray. Where was he in this Orlando versus Atlanta game? At the very end, he, he threw a pick, which I'm not going to criticize him for because Atlanta does have a terrible O-line, and Murray was put in at the very end of the game, expected to make clutch games when your team's down by 30, so not a surprise there. Matt, did Atlanta make a wrong call by not starting Aaron Murray? They made a very poor call by not starting Aaron Murray. I think that even though the game was a blowout, I think that it could have been a lot closer if they made the start with Aaron Murray because Matt Sims not showing much. You know, his completion percentage at 53, you know, you'd like to see better considering the amount of time, considering he had 28 attempts and only completing 15. Not good stats there from Matt Sims. And I think if... Considering the ground game that Atlanta has the potential to have, 
I think that they need to jumpstart it with Aaron Murray because I think with Matt Sims under center, the defense it's so easy for the defense to pick apart, especially when that defense is being led by one of the best college coaches of all time in Steve Spurrier. Oh, yeah. I think this team is not as bad as people think it is. I just think it's the man who's taking the snaps, Matt Sims. So Atlanta fans, rejoice. You're not trash, okay? You're a good team. You just have a bad QB, and maybe your coach needs – to wisen up let's go to our next and let's i'm gonna go back actually i'm gonna backtrack steve spurrier man great offense uh in this game absolutely dominated i think he he was gonna retire but he came to this league and i think it's an absolutely great fit for him and we saw the philly special slash snowbird special that was a really cool moment in the game that got the aaf a lot of publicity just like the the hit in the San Antonio, San Diego game. Those are plays that are going to bring more fans into the league. And hopefully, you know, we'll have football in spring next year. So we're going to move on to the final game. And I was actually present at this game, Arizona versus Salt Lake City. Now, it was kind of it was it was a weird vibe uh, being in the stadium when it wasn't the Sun Devils playing or a professional team. It was kind of empty, but the, the fans that were there were, were really passionate. So if we can get that, uh, I guess, European soccer style uh, fan involvement, I really, which I really think uh, the league can do because the people that are watching this league, they're not casuals. They're really hardcore football fans. So if we can get that like a full stadium with hardcore football fans kind of doing that really hype European soccer uh, – chance and and whatnot i think this could be a huge uh boost for for the aaf i think fan involvement is going to be key but to the i guess the football i really enjoyed this game probably because i'm a hot shots fan and they dominated the stallions didn't look that bad i think a lot of people are are underrating the stallions they seem to have a good defense qb made a a couple bad decisions i i really think it's more on the receivers, Matt. So looking at this game, do you think the Stallions are an underrated team? Uh, and what cost them the game last Sunday? Well, I think for the Stallions, I think that, you know, they got unlucky. They drew arguably what is the best team in the league in week one. So obviously we can't make much of a judgment call here. And their offense, I'm not going to lie, Woodrum, not bad before. And that was only in the one half, 103 yards. Yeah, no picks, too. No picks. You'd like to see more, but considering that was only in one half, not bad at all. And I think that, again, for their QB's combined uh, completion percentage, average of 48.6. Now, you can't afford that, but I think the Hot Shots outplayed them. But considering they put over 20 points on the board, I think the Stallions are a team to watch. I don't think that teams should lose sleep over them, but... I think they're definitely a team, you know, keeping the corner of their of their eye. Yeah, I think they just got outplayed. I think they're a good team that that just had to, had to unfortunately uh, play a better team. So that is our wrap up for the games last week. Now let's get to the games this week. Matt, Salt Lake versus Birmingham. I'm gonna go on a limb. Ah, 
You know what? No, I'm going to go with Birmingham. I was going to go with Salt Lake, but Louis Perez and that Birmingham defense, I really like it. So I'm going to go with Birmingham. What about you? Well, looks like we're going to go down together. We're going to win together. Yeah. I'm sticking with the iron. I really liked what I saw out of Perez in that game. And you could say they're arguably getting an easier, not an easier opponent, but an opponent that I don't think is good enough to lay ground. And they're going to be at home this time around. So even though I think they were at home last week, you know, two consecutive home games. And I think, as you said, with that environment, I think home field advantage does play a war, play a key role. I am going with the iron this game. All right, now let's go to Arizona at Memphis. I don't even know if it's even worth talking about. I'm going with Arizona. Everyone and their mother is going with Arizona just because of that terrible performance Memphis had last week. I don't trust Mike Singletary as a coach. Um, Matt, I think I know the answer, but what are you going to say? Well, it looks like, again, we're either going to go down together or we're going to celebrate together because I'm going with the hot shots here. Wolford surprised us last week, so I'm not going to go on a Trevor Knight rant, but you got to score to win football games, and the Express proved that they had a lot of trouble trying to do that, and they're playing a much better team in the Arizona Hot Shots. I'm taking the Hot Shots. You know, I know we said this about the Super Bowl, and we said that about the over-under to put your mortgage on it. Well, <laughs> I'm taking my second mortgage, and I'm putting that on the Arizona Hot Shots this week. Yeah, and we were, we were, we'll admit when we're wrong. We were dead wrong when it came to Trevor Knight. We did not trust uh, Arizona to play Wolford and win a game. We really thought Knight was the key to this team. So let's move on to Orlando at San Antonio. Matt, I think we're going to divide on this one just because I'm going to go against Steve Spurrier. I'm going against the number one team in the league right now, the Orlando Apollos. If they're able to make turnovers uh, and keep time of possession on their side, I think they can outmatch Steve Spurrier and the Apollos. Matt, what's what are you going with, Orlando or San Antonio? Well, this is where we're going to have some difference. I got to go with the legendary coach, Steve Spurrier, and the Orlando Apollos. They looked a lot better against, I would have to say, a much better team and they got to keep that momentum going into week into week number two. And I think, you know, the Alamo Dome is a very hard place to play. And Steve Spurrier being a college coach, I think he'll be able to handle that. And I think that Orlando keeps their momentum rolling. All right. Now, arguably the two worst teams in the league right now, Atlanta at San Diego. I mean, I don't know my decision right now. I'll say Atlanta if they play Aaron Murray. Uh, I'll say San Diego if Atlanta doesn't play Aaron Murray. Because Aaron Murray is the key to that team. They need to put him in. Georgia Bulldogs, let's get it. I'm taking I, – I mean, you're, put, you're in a tough position because you're relying on who they put in at QB and what happens there. But I think the legends bounce back. I do not like what I saw from the fleet. I thought they were very disjointed. And I think that Atlanta finally wakes up. They get over the fact that Michael Vick left the sidelines, you know, 48 hours before their first game, and they'll keep it going. One thing that I think that Atlanta's going to struggle with, 
is this is the first time that a professional football game has been played in San Diego since the bitter exit of the now Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that fans, they are going to be going nuts. They are going to love the fleet coming home, coming back, and seeing football in San Diego, in that San Diego stadium. Will they have more attendance than the Chargers? We saw that. We saw that. uh, Actually, interesting. San Antonio had more people. I think twenty-seven thousand than show up at their game than any of the Chargers home field games this year. So, I I mean, do you think San uh, San Diego Fleet can do it, or will they fall behind? I really. A lot of. uh, I went to San Diego a, a couple months ago, and they still have a lot of Chargers flags flying out there. So. What do you what do you think's going down, Matt? I think that I mean you also have to consider that the Los Angeles Chargers are playing in a soccer stadium that I think the United Center in Chicago seats more than the stadium the Chargers are currently playing in. So you got to give the LA Chargers the benefit of the, do- of the doubt, but I think the fleet could outsell the Chargers, you know, it's the opening week at home for San Diego. They are playing Atlanta which has a lot of popular players. So I think this could be a very well-attended game. And it's one for the fleet. Yeah, and it's the second week of the league. A lot of people had no idea that this was happening. Uh, And they see all these highlights of Hackenberger getting destroyed and, uh, you know, the Snowbird special. And now they want to get into the league and become invested and go to the games and become fans. So – the, the league is going to get bigger. Each week it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't think it's ever going to be NFL size, but uh, more public, more publicity. They could, they could outsell the chargers, but it could be kind of a hot, hot shot situation where there was barely anyone in the stadium. So on to our final uh, segment, power rankings. Me and Matt have the same power rankings. I think we agree on most things uh, except for one, but number eight, we are going with Memphis. Terrible team. Mike Singletary, what are you doing, man? Uh, you really need an offensive-minded coach for this league. In, in my opinion, I think you need an offensive-minded coach. So, Matt, let's go down to number seven. Number seven, San Diego Fleet. I think that I didn't see much. Mike, Like Mike Singletary, Mike Martz did not show his capabilities in his respective specialty being an offensive-minded head coach, and unless he really flips the switch and surprises us, this is not the same Mike Martz that coached the Rams and led them to a Super Bowl and led the Bears to a championship game appearance. So that's why I have them at number seven. Not as bad as he expressed. They did put some points on the board, but still not deserving of the top six. All right, number six, the Atlanta Legends. Really, I mean – we don't know if they're just a bad team because they're trash or if they played an outstanding Orlando team coached by Steve Spurrier. Again, I, I keep saying it. Put in Aaron Murray and maybe you'll rise up the power rankings. All right, Matt, let's go to number five, the Salt Lake City Stallions. Well, it was very close when, I was, when we were writing these between six and five. I think that the tiebreaker was strength of opponent and even though Atlanta and Salt Lake played our top two teams, hate the giveaway, but still, I think that Salt Lake played a tighter game against Arizona, 
and they show more promise on the offensive end. And again, until we see Aaron Murray enter this game, unless if Matt Sims suddenly does an about face and becomes a John Wolford level quarterback in this league, I don't see Atlanta moving up anytime soon. And I see Salt Lake. I see Salt Lake. I think they could rise up. I like the potential that I saw and what they did to the Hot Shots. All right, number four, San Antonio. Uh, I really think they're in the the similar rankings with the Birmingham Iron, but the only thing that – I would argue that they have a better defense than Birmingham, but I think the only thing that is really separating San Antonio from being a top three team is their offense. And I'm spoiling three right now too. Three is Birmingham. Uh, Louis Perez, man, he's a great quarterback. And if the D can, can cause some turnovers, if he can get that ball, throw it downfield like he did against Memphis, I, I think that uh, they, they can be a championship caliber team. So the only thing separating San Antonio from getting that top three spot against Birmingham Iron would be their offense. So, Matt, do you, do you disagree or agree? Do you think Birmingham takes the top three spot or do you think it should go to San Antonio? I like Birmingham. Perez went off, and the team really showed what it was like to play Alabama football. And as we know, Alabama football, at the college level at least, has been one of the most successful programs across the state. And I think Birmingham, given that they have a bunch of players from Alabama, and they played a really great game in week one, shutting out their opponent that makes them deserving of a top three spot. But I don't think they're as deserving of a top two spot as our top two teams are. So number two, ooh, I'm going to have to go against my home team for the number one spot. I am going with the Arizona Hotshots for number two. Look, the team was was great all around. Great offense with Wolford. Uh, great defense locking down Salt Lake. But just not as good enough to compete against Steve Spurrier's offense in Orlando. I mean, Orlando dropped, I think, like 46 points. That is unheard of in the league so far. The, uh, Orlando has the highest scoring game in league history. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to have to go with the greatest offense in AAF history. Orlando for my number one spot. Arizona, it's, it's really just a flip of a coin. It could go either way. Both these teams are elite so far. Uh, Matt, agree or disagree? Should Arizona get that number one spot, or should it be Orlando? You know, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, considering they've only played one game apiece, I say we could arguably time out for the one spot and block out the two because they each played well in their own respective ways. I do think Orlando has a slight edge given that they put up 46, but I do think that with Matt Sims playing quarterback for Atlanta, I do think Arizona played a tougher team. So in terms of total points scored, Orlando gets the edge. In terms of strength of schedule so far, Arizona would get the edge. So for consistency's sake on what I've been going off of, I would go with Arizona, but it's really you could easily block them out for a tie for first, but for power ranking sake, I'd have to disagree with you go with the hot shots, but I think we'll have a much clearer picture heading in next week. Yeah. Again, it's a coin flip in my opinion. I can't wait to see these two teams match up. So that is our show for the week. I know we said we would 
get this show back on Sunday or Monday, but a lot of things came up. We have a life outside of the podcast, so I apologize to anyone who was waiting for the episode on Monday or Sunday, but we're going to try to keep it that way after Sunday. I think Monday is the day we're going to go for for our post-game analysis. Anyways, to review our picks, we had uh, I had Birmingham over Salt Lake, so did Matt. We both had Arizona versus Memphis. Uh, I had San Antonio against Orlando. Matt had Orlando winning, so we're split there. And then we both had Atlanta beating San Diego. So that is the show for today. Peace out. Join us Monday. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. We got a whole lot of stuff. YouTube coming up. So peace out.